You may be seated. And when you are, please open your copies of God's Word to Jonah chapter 4. We are in uh, the last chapter of the book. We'll be finishing uh, the book today. Uh, But the uh, chapter 4 starts kind of uh, quickly uh, referencing something that just happened in chapter 3. And so I want to bring that to your attention as you turn there, just in case you weren't here last week. Uh, Jonah was sent to Nineveh. Uh, to preach and to warn them that God's judgment would be uh, poured out upon the city within uh, in 40 days if they didn't turn uh, from their sin and believe the Lord. And, um, and they do. They, they hear the word and they believe and they turn from their sin and their um, repentance is uh, genuine. Uh, the Lord acknowledges that in verse 10 and also Jesus acknowledges that in the New Testament. And, um, and to maybe our shock and dismay, Jonah's not pleased. And that is where we uh, pick up today. Uh, Jonah chapter 4, we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 11. And I would remind you that this is God's holy and inspired word. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. Well, let's pray and ask God to help us as we meditate on his word. Lord, we do ask um, that you would do something amazing, even miraculous. Lord, we would ask that as your word is preached. 
you would move beyond the voice of a man and that you would move into the ear and into the heart of your people. Lord, you um, know each one of us and what we need to hear, and so we would ask that you would say it and that you would give us ears to hear. And Lord, we look at this passage and we see a man not so concerned about the lost, and we would pray that you would um, help us, uh, that we would have a heart like yours that bleeds for the lost. We would ask that you'd hear our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Why study history? Why do we study history? What's the point in studying history? Well, we study history so that we can learn from it and so that in learning from it, we can make uh, better decisions. Uh, You've likely heard uh, the famous quote or some form of it, those who cannot learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Uh, You see, knowledge of the past is a prerequisite for wisdom Studying history provides an invaluable guide to us. It alerts us of mistakes that have been made in the past, and it can warn us of dangers that we might face ahead. Um, What about learning the history of the Bible, the inspired word of God? In, In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, the apostle Paul says, whatever was written in former days, was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The Lord has recorded and preserved biblical history for you so that you would learn from it and so that you would be encouraged by it. But why has he given us Jonah chapter 4? Why did Jonah provide us with this autobiographical piece of history? It was given so that we would learn from his mistakes. This piece of history was preserved to teach readers that it is wrong to begrudge God's mercy to others. Rather, believers should emulate the Lord. They should love like he loves Jonah chapter 4 gets that message across by contrasting Jonah's unrighteous anger with God's steadfast love. So we're going uh, to consider that today. We're going to consider the heart of Jonah, and we're going to consider the heart of God. And we're going to begin this passage with our first heading, which is God listened to Jonah. Love is patient. God listened to Jonah, love is patient. After Jonah's initial flight, God brought him to repentance uh, through his ordeal at sea. And once he was back on dry land, he reinstated Jonah. He spoke to Jonah a second time and he entrusted him to carry his message to the Ninevites. And when Jonah arrived... At Nineveh, he began walking down their streets and entering into their marketplaces and calling out to them uh, the Lord's message. He called them to repentance. And as he began to preach, God moved mightily. Souls were being converted. The Ninevites believed God's word. 
they came under deep conviction regarding their sin, and they were resolved to break from it. They realized their need for forgiveness. Chapter 3 ends by saying, When God saw how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them. And after preaching, Jonah withdrew from the city. When Jonah saw that his preaching brought about uh, citywide repentance and that God wasn't going to destroy the Ninevites, he was furious. Verse 1 says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. The text states that the Lord's compassion infuriated Jonah. The verb derives from a root that literally means to burn, that, that Jonah was on fire. Jonah was enraged over Nineveh's repentance and God's forgiveness. You see, Israel had suffered greatly due to Assyrian aggression and cruelty. And Jonah wanted to see God's wrath poured out on them. He didn't want to see forgiveness extended. Jonah wasn't willing to forgive. He was angry with Nineveh. And now he's angry with God. Draw your attention to verse 2. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was in yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. Jonah's anger caused the dam to burst. He loses restraint of what's deep down in his heart, and it all begins to come out. He says, isn't this what I said when I was still in Israel? I knew you were going to do this. I knew this would happen if I obeyed you. I knew I couldn't trust you to make things turn out my way. Jonah prays to justify himself. And now we find out why Jonah fled in the first place. He didn't want God to forgive the Ninevites. He said, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. These words come from God's description of himself in Exodus chapter 34. They give a five-point description of God's character. God is gracious. He's merciful. He is slow to anger. He's abounding in love, overflowing with love. And he relents from disaster. He agonizes over the destruction of sinners who are unwilling to turn to him. Jonah knew this about the character of God. And now his worst fear has come to pass. 
Under the circumstances, Jonah thinks life is not worth living. So in verse 3, he prays, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. God doesn't remain silent. He's patient with Jonah. He wants to teach Jonah. God responds with the briefest of questions. Look at verse 4. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? This question is only three words in Hebrew. It could be translated, Have you any right to be angry? After all, it's ironic that Jonah desires to die on account of God's gracious and compassionate nature. He had just received mercy and benefited from these very attributes when he himself was confronted with death. Jonah wanted grace and mercy for himself, but not for others. He wanted to be forgiven, but he resents God forgiving others. This incident is shining a light on Jonah's heart and it's revealing his own unwillingness to forgive. This reminds us of the parable of the unforgiving servant. You might remember it in Matthew 18. Jesus tells a parable about a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants, and the king forgives one of his servants who owes a great deal of money, an incredible amount of money. But that same servant refused to forgive his fellow servant for a small amount of money. In this parable, Jesus condemns being unforgiving. He points to the irony of someone who's received God's forgiveness but refuses to extend forgiveness themselves. The heart that has been the object of divine mercy should itself extend mercy. If you've received God's forgiveness, you should be willing to forgive others. Is it right for you to be angry? That's the question that God poses. But Jonah is not in the mood to respond. Instead, he sulks and he makes his way out of the city. And as the text continues, you see that God remains patient with Jonah and he extends kindness to him. In our second heading, we see that God comforted Jonah. Love is kind. That's our second heading. God comforted Jonah. Love is kind. About a week and a half ago, uh, SpaceX launched its Falcon 9 rocket uh, containing an advanced uh, GPS system for uh, the U.S. military. I I watched uh, this video on, on my phone. It's amazing, I think, to see those booster rockets come back down and uh, land. 
Watching uh, rocket launches are amazing, at least in my opinion it is. Uh, It's an astonishing thing to see, and it attracts crowds. In fact, if you go to the Kennedy Space Center website, uh, you you can see that you can sign up to uh, see uh, a rocket launch live. Uh, they have an upcoming events calendar, and they offer various launch view packages and hotel packages. Uh, their website says, witnessing a live rocket launch is draw-dropping. Uh, it's a bucket list experience. Kennedy Space Center provides the closest public viewing of rocket launches within a few miles from the launch pads, so you can see and feel the liftoff of a spacecraft leaving Earth under the full power of mighty rocket engines. You notice uh, the viewing areas are a few miles from the launch pads so that you can see and so that you can feel things. But it's also a few miles away so that you can be safe if something goes uh, terribly wrong. Well, in our text, you see that Jonah chooses a viewing area of his own. He travels away from the city so that he would have a good vantage point to see the show. He's still hoping for Nineveh's destruction. And maybe Jonah thought of Sodom and Gomorrah and wanted to be far enough away to get a good view and still be safe if God rained down fire from heaven. Verse 5 says, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would come of the city. Jonah is prepared to sit out the waiting period, so he makes himself a, a makeshift uh, shelter to protect himself from uh, the burning sun there in the desert. And he, again, is holding out hope that God will destroy the city despite uh, the Ninevites' repentance. Uh, He was hoping for some change in the city's fortune rather than admitting his own need for change in his heart. But the Lord was aware of Jonah's needs. Uh, He sees the physical and spiritual needs of his children And he provides. Uh, That's what a loving father does, right? God saw Jonah's situation and he had compassion on him. Uh, The shelter that Jonah made was inadequate to protect him. And his spiritual circumstances were even more perilous. So the Lord appoints a plant to shade Jonah and a worm to destroy the shade, and a scorching east wind to persuade Jonah to call upon him for rescue. Verse 6 says, Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up, the next day God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun 
arose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. The Lord uses the circumstances of our lives for good. He uses them to shape us and to mold us. He uses them to change us, to teach us. And sometimes he uses them to wake us up so that we will turn from our sin or so that we'll begin to call out to him in prayer. God's providential care is a theme in this book. Four times the word appointed is used of God. He appointed the fish, the plant, the worm, the wind. They're all, all of them designed to draw Jonah back into fellowship with God. The plant that grew provided Jonah comfort. It gave him welcome relief from the raging heat of the desert sun. And the text says that he was exceedingly glad. His mood was entirely transformed by the provision of shade. But the plant and his mood were short-lived because the next day God appointed a worm to attack the plant and a scorching east wind that began to make Jonah feel ill. The narrative continues in verse 8 by saying the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live All this is too much for him. The Lord provided Jonah with mercy, but when he took it away, Jonah wanted to die. When he took it away, Jonah returned to despair. Jonah's like one of the laborers in Jesus' parable of the workers in the vineyard. Jesus tells a story of a man who owns a vineyard and hires laborers to work in his fields, each for a denarius a day. You might remember that the owner hires men all throughout the day, and then he pays them at the end of the day. But some of the laborers who worked longer were angry with the owner of the vineyard because he was being too generous with his money. The master of the vineyard said, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? You see, Jonah doesn't want to live without God's mercy. He wants God's mercy for himself, but he wants it withheld from the Ninevites. He wants his denarius, but begrudges God giving one to the Ninevites. Jonah doesn't understand the lesson of the plant. He can't see it, but God is patient. He's kind, and he's compassionate. He's drawn Jonah back at this point into conversation And as the narrative continues, the Lord reasons with him and he explains the lesson of the plant. In our third heading, we see God instructed Jonah. Love is compassionate. God instructed Jonah. Love is compassionate. 
when Jonah is broken and desperate, and at his end, he asks God to take his life. And again, God responds to him with a question. He engages Jonah by repeating the question that he had asked him previously, but this time God focuses the question um, on Jonah's anger over the plant instead of on his anger over Nineveh's deliverance. In verse nine, God asks this question, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Jonah had remained silent and walked away uh, the first time God questioned him about his anger, but this time he responds and he doesn't hold back either. He feels justified in his anger over the plant. Jonah says, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Jesus depicted the same attitude in the elder sibling when he told the parable of the prodigal son. Do you remember uh, the elder brother's self-righteous attitude? When he saw the mercy that was extended to his younger brother, he was angry. Do you remember how he justified his anger when he spoke to his father? He said, listen, for all these years, I've worked like a slave for you. I've served you, and I've never disobeyed your command. What happens next in the parable? the father begins to reason with his son about about how it is right to extend mercy and forgiveness to others. And as our narrative continues, God reasons with Jonah. He wants him to understand compassion. He wants him to have a heart that is willing to extend mercy and forgiveness. So the Lord begins to offer Jonah a new perspective. He reasons with him. He he seeks to win him. And if Jonah listens, it's an opportunity for him to be transformed and to mature. Consider verse 10. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh? God contrasts Jonah's concern for the plant with his concern for the Ninevites. By contrasting Jonah's attitude for the plant with his attitude for the Ninevites, God is appealing to Jonah to see how unreasonable he's being, how absurd his thinking is. God wants him, Jonah, to see the value of his fellow man. He wants him to understand how much of a travesty it is when people are lost eternally. We need to care. Jonah needs to care. God wants him to have a heart like his that is full of compassion for the lost. God points out the obvious to Jonah. Jonah didn't have a claim over the plant or any right to it. 
He didn't exert any effort to place it there, and he didn't care for its growth. It was the Lord that caused the plant to grow. God wants Jonah to acknowledge the true source of his anger. Jonah was angry over the plant because he missed its shade. He was feeling sorry for himself. What Jonah wished on Nineveh, the Lord performed on him. You see, Jonah was upset over the withdrawal of God's mercy in the form of a plant. He was upset over a plant that was being used as an object lesson to teach the prophet about the value of human life. God, on the other hand, has toiled over his whole creation. He's constantly providing for it, caring for it, governing it, protecting it. The Lord asks Jonah, may I not have pity on Nineveh? It's an absurd question, isn't it? Is the creator obliged to ask Jonah's permission to exercise his mercy? Of course not. The question is intended to bring Jonah to his senses. Does Jonah really want to find fault with God for being too gracious and loving? Jonah was learning a powerful lesson about a believer's responsibility to love their neighbors, even those they're prone to considering enemies. Jesus would make this crystal clear in centuries to come when he taught the parable of the Good Samaritan. By Jesus' day, the Jews and the Samaritans had no dealings with each other. There had been some very serious conflicts over the centuries, and resentment had turned into hatred. And when Jesus received some pushback about his assertion that we are called to love our neighbors, he told the parable of the Good Samaritan to explain that the definition of neighbor means every person that you meet, even our perceived enemies. We are called to love everyone. And when Jesus preached a sermon on the mount, he said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. And then the book of Jonah ends abruptly with this one final probing question that remains unanswered. In verse 11, the Lord asked Jonah, should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? We're not told how Jonah replies But perhaps his history being told and preserved in this book is enough evidence to reasonably assume that he eventually learned the lesson that we are called to love like God loves. 
when we began, I asked the question, why study history? And I said that we study history so that we can learn from it and so that we can make better decisions. But then I asked more pointed questions. Why have we been given Jonah chapter four? Why were we given this piece of history? This chapter was given to us so that we would learn from Jonah's mistakes. This piece of inspired history teaches readers that it is wrong to begrudge God's mercy to others. Rather, believers should emulate the Lord's love. They should love like he loves This message becomes clear as you see the contrast between Jonah's anger and God's steadfast love. As we meditated on this passage, we saw that Jonah was angry when God extended his mercy to Nineveh. And he became even more angry and obstinate when the plant he was given withered and died. But God was slow to anger. He listened to Jonah. He extended his mercy and patience toward Jonah, even when he spoke out of turn. And when the Lord saw Jonah struggling, he gave him the plant as a temporary comfort and as a means to draw the the prophet back into fellowship. And once Jonah was ready, the Lord demonstrated his love and mercy by reasoning with Jonah, by explaining why he was in need of change. God's love is patient, kind, and compassionate. And it's even extended to his enemies. God offers forgiveness to anyone, anyone who will embrace Christ as Lord and Savior. The cross is where God's love for you is clearly displayed. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord, when we think about what you have done for us, we see quite the opposite of the attitude of Jonah. Your word says that each of us are born in some sense enemies and yet you loved us and came and lived for us and died for us. Instead of being self-centered, Lord, you were self-sacrificial. Lord, we are in awe as we look upon your love for us And we would confess before you that we have so much to learn. And we would confess, O Lord, that we are in need of change. And Lord, we would ask that you would help us. Whether it's anger or whether it's something else, Lord, would you help us to not be blind to it and um, to be able to see and understand. Lord, would you, like you did with Jonah, would would you speak to us? And tell us what we need to hear. Lord, would you give us um, hearts that would listen and respond to you in obedience? And Lord, would you give us a heart for the lost? Lord, we would confess that we don't care enough. 
And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us, that you would pierce our hearts, that we would have hearts like yours for the lost, and that we, we would be faithful to carry the gospel uh, to everyone uh, we can. Lord, we'd ask that you would help us and that you would hear our prayer. In Christ's name, amen.